seated this morning. Well, I want to welcome you and thank you for coming and worshiping this morning. We got a little snow scare this morning, but you all braved the storm, the storm, and uh, you made it to church this morning. As I shared week one, our students over in GPC Kids are also going through the book of Jonah. Uh, so they're right there with you. So ask them some questions today, what they learned if your kids are over there. Uh, and you can have some good conversation at lunch. But I'm excited. And first off, I want to welcome everyone in tuning in by Facebook or YouTube. We're happy you're here. Can we just put our hands together and welcome everyone watching this morning? But this morning, the word of the Lord that we see in Jonah chapter 3 is that we serve a God of the second chance. Can anyone testify that you've experienced the second chance of God in your life? If you haven't, you're probably not going to fit in this church too long uh, because we all are a product of grace. And when we realize that, it puts a whole new perspective on your life of how you receive grace, but then how you give grace. And so just a quick recap before we jump into Jonah chapter 3 is in week chapter 1, we learned that God frequently asks us to do things that at times we really don't want to do. And like Jonah, because when the word of the Lord came to Jonah for him to go to Nineveh, he listened to his flesh and the word of God says he ran in the wrong direction. And he went as far. And what's crazy about sin, we don't realize it at the time, but usually it takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more work. Nineveh would have been 500 miles uh, where he was wanting to go. Tarshish was 2,500 miles. He was going to have to get a ship. And when he was in that place of struggle, he didn't go to his family. He didn't go to his friends. He went and found a ship crew that was said to be a bunch of pagan sailors. So they clearly weren't going to give him the right information. They weren't going to encourage him in the Lord. They weren't going to say, hey, let's take a step back and, and think about this. We also saw that maybe a lot of the drama you're experiencing in your life is who you've allowed on your ship, who you've allowed on your boat. These sailors were experiencing a storm, not for anything they did, but before who they allowed on their boat. We see as they cried out to God, as the storm was raging, that the word of God says that God was the one who sent the storm. And as God sent the storm, it wasn't just to wake Jonah up physically, but it was to wake him up spiritually. Can I get a witness if you've ever experienced a storm in your life that you can look back on and say, hindsight 2020, thank you God for sending that storm because it woke me up. It got me back into the presence of God. We see that as the, the pagan sailors are saved, we see a second chance right there that they cried out to God, they were saved. And then the only remedy to the storm was Jonah being thrown over. So the sailors out of their graciousness said, hey, at least the least we could do is row you back to shore. But we see that that wasn't the plan and purposes of God. And so Jonah goes overboard and last week, I would love to preach that message all over again because it's such a process that we overlook and that we dismiss that we're going to see Jonah gets back on mission, but we can never fully get back on mission if we don't allow what happens in Jonah 2 to happen in our life, where we take on a posture of repentance, we take on a posture of forgiveness, we take on a posture of evaluating, of getting in the presence of God. We saw that the belly of the fish, where Jonah cried out to God, he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, that the belly of the fish was a sign of God's discipline 
in God's discipleship. That many times we want to be delivered from the sin or we want to be delivered from the season. It's great when we're delivered, but if we're never discipled and disciplined, it will never be prepared for our destiny or for our purpose. So we see that the belly of the, of the fish, the fish was a part of the rescue. But really what we're going to begin to see today is we kind of turn a page in the story of Jonah. Uh, pun intended here, it's going to be a fishy tale about a faithful God, okay? A fishy tale about a faithful God. That the story is not about Jonah. It is, but ultimately we're now going to see in Jonah chapter 3 a picture of a faithful God. A picture of a God who says, there's a second chance for you. If you've fallen, if you sin has had a grip on your life, if you've ran from God for a portion of your life, if you've backslid, if you are struggling, that God says, I want to give you a second chance. That I don't count you is a failure. I don't see you as a failure, but because of my grace and because of my mercy, I want to set you free and I want to put you on mission. We also saw that we're better off obeying Jesus in the storm, i.e. in the will of God, than disobeying on the boat where it's comfortable. See, many times we mistake, well, if I'm comfortable in my sin, then if the boat's really not rocking, then I can maintain it and I've learned to kind of maneuver my way through it. We're really where when the presence of God touches us as it did in the belly of the well, it was uncomfortable, it was dark, that we see the presence of God was touching and changing Jonah's life. And so, some of us, we might be labeled as reluctant or rebellious or that part of us because Jonah too is saying, hey, we're all Jonah, that there is a Jonah in all of us, a rebellious nature in all of us that it takes for God to say, I want to get this out of you. I want to set you free of this and I want to do a work in your life. We also saw three points that were to go, and go, to, go to God. If you have some precise breakthroughs you need in your life, that you need to go to God with precision. You need to have precise prayers, what you're believing God for. We saw the precision that Jonah prayed. Number two, we saw his passion. And number three, we saw his posture. His precision, his passion, and his posture. And then through that, we saw that God, what we're about to see where we left off, that God commanded the fish to vomit him up. I want you to see this about God's mercy as well. Because this is, sin is running from God, but grace is God running after us. So we're all in that position today that grace is coming after you, whether you see it or not this morning. But commentary will tell us that the theme of God's undeviating mercy is expressed in Jonah and other Old Testament passages. And it's also found in the New Testament. So here's where we see a true and better Jesus. And we see a true and better in the New Testament is we see this transformation, this repentance, this change, this grace, is that an inward change by God's grace is called a regeneration. We see this in Titus 3.5. We see it's called a spiritual resurrection, Ephesians 1.19. We see that it is a calling out of darkness into a marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9. We see a new birth, John 3.3, and a making alive, Colossians 2.13. Hebrews 12.2 notices that as the author and perfecter of faith, Hear this, God is longing to instill grace into his people. Do you receive the grace of God into your life this morning? That where you're at, where God has positioned you here this morning in this series, that God's heart is to instill grace into your life. And if you will open up, if you will allow the belly of the well, if you will allow God's discipline and discipleship, 
to come into your life, you will see that it's not a means of punishment, but it is a means of provision to get you the grace, to get you the empowerment that you need. If I was sharing this with kids, this is how I would say it. Jonah chapter 1 is Jonah trying to run away from God. Jonah 2 is Jonah running smack into God. And Jonah 3 is Jonah finally running with God. And that's where we pick up the story today. Jonah 1, he's running from God. Number 2, we find that he is engulfed with grace. He, God finds him smack in the middle of the belly of the well. And now we're going to see where Jonah finally begins to obey. How many of you know the blessing is always in the obedience? It's not what we say, but it's what we do. It's not what we're hearing this morning. You're getting revelation. I'm getting revelation. But the blessing is not in the knowing. It is always in the doing. And so as you walk out of here, I pray that you take these messages and you begin to apply them, that you begin to search God's word. You begin to, to integrate it into your prayer life and pray through what we're talking about this morning. Jonah 2.10, if you put this on the screen, please, Sarah. It says this, this is where we left off. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. How many of you would love to start your mission from God with vomit all over you? Well, this is where Jonah picks up his mission and everything he just went through, three days, three nights. And we see that now, okay, God is ready to do something in his life. If you put on Jonah 3.1, and this is where we see, really, it should astound you and make you excited. Because here's what it says, and here's where we see in the Old Testament, a graceful God. We see the word of the Lord came to Jonah, everybody say it, a second time. Came a second time. So we see that this is repeated in Jonah 1-2. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And what did he do? He ran when the word of the Lord came because he didn't want to follow it. But now we see a second chance take place that the word of the Lord came to him again. Really two miracles we see here is that one, God spared his life, but two, God just didn't spare his life and say, if you study this out, you'll see that in this time, there was about 50 prophets that did what Jonah did. So God could have said, Jonah, you have screwed up. I'm gonna go to one of my other 49 prophets. I'm gonna put them on mission and maybe they can get the job done because you clearly have some prejudice in your heart. You're rebellious, reluctant. So I'm gonna to go to someone else that I can trust who's gonna get the job done. God could have said that, but we see here he doesn't. And again, that should give you and I hope that God doesn't write us off. He doesn't check us off when we fail, when we rebel, when we respond in a moment of anger, we respond in our flesh. So we see God spared him, but then the other miracle is he commissions him again. He commissions and puts him back on mission. The big idea that I want to stick in your spirit this morning is this, Sarah, if you put it up, is that God must do something in us before he does anything through us. Yes. Somebody's testified to this, yes. that if God's gonna do something through you, yes. if God's gonna do something in you, he's gotta do it in you before he does anything through you. You've heard it maybe said this way, you can only give what you have. If you've never received from God, if you don't have revelation from God, if you don't have any, if you're not filling your tank, you're not going to have much to give out. 
Parents, I think we know this. If you're not taking time for self-care or filling yourself up, that your kids have a way of pulling every ounce of energy and every ounce of strength out of you, that if you're not making time to fill yourself up, you can get edgy. You can get, uh, emotion, your emotions start leading you. And so there is a, a huge truth just in life that you can only give that which you have. And when you start trying to give that which you don't have, you begin to see that it doesn't work. So know that this morning that in the bigger picture of Jonah is God had to do something in him before he could do something through him. As I think about serving a God of the second chance, again, we see in the book of Jonah alone that the sailors had a second chance. Yes, Jonah had a second chance. And what we're gonna see this morning is that the people he was called to go and reach, to minister, Two, we're going to see in Jonah 3 and 4 that it's really the greatest Gentile revival that you will see in the Bible. That this is what God was setting up Jonah to be a part of. And so we see that God had to do something so real, so authentic in his life because of what he was sending him into. But see, we see that just in the Bible, Jonah is not the only one where second chances are given. Really, the whole Bible is a story of second chances being instilled in people's lives. Think of this, some quick stories of where we see second chances. We see that Noah was found drunk by his sons at one point. Abraham trafficked his wife, Sarah. Moses murdered an Egyptian. Rahab committed prostitution. David hired someone for murder and then committed adultery. Then there are those in the New Testament we see, so it's not just reserved for the Old Testament. In the New Testament we see Zac Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who overtaxed people out of personal greed and yet was accepted by Jesus prior to his conversion. Peter, who denied Christ three times. And see, we see yet in spite of all their illegal and immoral behavior, behavior, God gave them a second chance, but it's because they were repentant and went on to be faithful servants of God. And see, we're gonna see the key to unlocking the chance and making it a choice is having a spirit of repentance. That, that, is the, that is the exchange that takes place. That's the work we do, is come before God and make the choice because the chance is there, but if you never take the chance and turn it into a choice, you'll never experience the grace. And so we see that this morning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And again, that gives us hope that we're never too far gone or we're never too far out. Jonah 3.2 says this as the story continues. So what does God tell Jonah after he gives, them, gives him the second chance? We now see in other translations say it says, get up and go, get up and go. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So we see God being very uh, on point. We see him giving clear instruction that he's saying, okay, Jonah, you didn't, I, I was giving you a little more wiggle room and your message to proclaim, but now I'm gonna send you. In Jonah chapter one, he, he said, go out and cry out against the wickedness. But now what we see here is that he says, I'm about to give you a clear message and I want you to go and take this message and speak on my behalf. What we're about to see is that the message is gonna be short, but it's not gonna be sweet. We see many times in the Old Testament when the prophets were to speak, it wasn't anything that tickled anybody's ears. It wasn't anything that was comfortable, but it usually called people to repent of their sin, 
rise up and now walk in what I'm calling you to do. And so we see what God is positioning Jonah to do, that he had to get Jonah on board. Now here's still the amazing thing about this story is the message is about to come to Jonah. We're going to read it and we're going to see it. But we're still going to see his reluctancy where he's going to, in essence, his attitude is this. He's going to say yes and he's physically going to go. But we're, it's revealed in Jonah 4 that really his heart and his motive is saying, God, you're, you're, I, it's still kind of a stupid decision that you're sending me and I really don't want to do this. But I just spent three days in the belly of the well and yes, I repented. But you still see he's not fully in that broken place of saying, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. And so we see in Jonah 3, he's willing and yes, he obeys. But God still has some more work to do on his heart and on his life. So again, we see this begin to take place. One commentary will say, as we saw in Jonah 2.8, that it said he confronted his idols. That there was idols in his life, that that's what... Uh, God through the belly of the well wanted to get up and out of him were the idols. One of the idols he would have is he walked in a spirit of prejudice. He, what Jonah wanted to do was to wave the nationalistic flag that I'm from Jerusalem, I'm God's chosen people, so anything and everything that doesn't look like me, speak like me, is beneath me. And that he didn't want to go to a city, one, where he, his life was threatened, and two, where he wasn't going to be respected, where he felt the message wasn't going to be heard. And so he wanted to wave his nationalistic flag and say, God, you can send someone else. I'll stay right here in Jerusalem and keep doing what I'm doing. One commentary said this, is that Jonah was holding on tightly to his prejudice, his bigotry, and his narrow-mindedness about the people of Nineveh. So again, this is the big picture of what God is wanting to get out of his life. You know, I think as we honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. tomorrow is one quote as I was looking through his writings and things that he's spoken is he could have had a, he had a lot to say to Jonah. If, if he was around during Jonah's time, I think Dr. King could have shed some wisdom and some light on Jonah's situation. Can, can you guys agree with that this morning? But one thing I want you to see, Sarah, if you would put it up, and this is really MLK's, his heart on someone who is in a place of being prejudiced, of being narrow-minded, maybe there's bigotry, but hear what MLK would say, I believe, if he could talk to Jonah. He would say, with patient and firm determination, we will press on until every valley of despair is exalted to new peaks of hope, until every mountain of pride and irrationality is made low by the leveling process of humility and compassion until the rough places of injustice are transformed into a smooth plane of equality of opportunity and until the crooked places hear this of prejudice are transformed by the straightened process of bright-eyed wisdom see i think mlk wasn't catching or jonah was not catching what god was fully trying to teach him that if he could have had some bright-eyed wisdom maybe the idol of prejudice in his life the story could have been much different. God was still going to do what God was going to do. But it took a long time for Jonah to fully get on board and to deal with some deep things in his life. So we see again that this was what Jonah was dealing with. And it's easy again to point fingers at guys like Jonah and see them in their darkest days or in their darkest hours. But what we should do when we see 
what a guy like Jonah was dealing with and struggling with, we should learn from it and not repeat it, right? That's what we, we want to get in our spirits this morning. But look at Jonah 3. In the midst of all of this, you still got to give him, him props and credit. It says in Jonah 3, yet Jonas obeyed the word of the Lord. So he still obeyed and he pushed past maybe what he thought because a lot of the times when God speaks, you're not going to maybe agree right off the bat. But the best thing to do in the process of it is still obey and to trust his process and to trust what he's going to do and what he wants to do. So it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. I want to continue reading. You're going to see what happened as he obeyed the, the word of the Lord and you're going to see the message he gave him. It says, now Nineveh was a very large city. Nineveh was very influential in its day and time. It says it took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, and here's the message, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So just picture Jonah going through the entire city of Nineveh, <coughs> preaching, shouting, 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. You see nothing of God's grace there. You see nothing of repent and turn. You just see him, I think, in a spirit of pride going, hey, 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. You would see this word overthrown. It would be in the same context of what would be uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah when God was speaking to Abraham and Lot that Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be overthrown. So Jonah would catch the drift is that the city is going to be destroyed. So I can tell you in his heartless approach of the people of Nineveh, he was pretty excited that God's going to destroy the city and how in no way that are they really going to repent. So Jonah goes into this city and he begins proclaiming this message, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Jonah 5, look what it says. It says, but here's the amazing part because God is bigger. It says the Ninevites believe God. This is amazing what you're about to, to see take place here. So through this message, says the Ninevites believe God. They didn't believe Jonah. I find this interesting. It doesn't say anything about Jonah, but by him just being faithful to the word that God told him to speak, they believed God. And I think God was doing something much bigger at work than Jonah could even realize. And it says, as they believe God, it says a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, this is amazing right here that this is how thorough repentance hit the city. It said, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. Again, this is the king. So this isn't just the people in the city repenting, turning. This is the king coming off of his throne and saying, what we've, this wickedness we've been doing, we're wrong. We need to repent and cry out to God. So we see that this is an amazing miracle that's taking place. And he says this, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Again, see how thorough this is, that it's just not the people repenting and fasting and turning, but we're throwing it on the animal. We're saying we're gonna get our animals to begin to, to show that we are repentant. We're sorry, we want to change. So it says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Here, I, lo I like what this says. It says, who knows? So they weren't fully confident that God would rescue them, but there was 
an amount of faith there where God could change his heart, change his mind. And we're going to see that he will. It says, but who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And here's the miracle, verse 10. It says, when God had seen, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them destruction that he had threatened. Amazing miracle, an amazing revival that took place in the city of Nineveh. From the top down, everyone called a fast, cried out to God, began to change. And we begin, they took the, the call, the message that Jonah proclaimed. They believed God. They took it and their lives were changed. They repented of their evil ways. As we were saying before, seeing the, how God is the God of a second chance is that we see that God uses messengers and that he uses a message. And what I want to encourage you this morning is that if you don't know the gospel message, it's simple. Start at John 3.16 and then explore the Bible because you're going to see it everywhere. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God is entrusted just as he did with Jonah. Us as his messengers, what did we pray on the last Sunday of 19? We prayed that you would take your identity and your authority as a priest, as a king, and as a prophet. And as a prophet, the message never changes. The message is the gospel. The message is what Jesus has come to do. And we see that Jonah took the message and trusted God. Now here's the amazing thing about the message. Is that as messengers, we're never called to water it down. Can we all be on the same page with that? We're not called to, let's try to make this a little, sound a little better. Let's try to translate it. Let's try to put some sugar on it so it'll go down a little easier. We're never called to do that. We're called to let it speak for itself. You'll see in the New Testament that when the power of God would come through the preaching of the gospel, when Peter preached repent, 3,000 people were saved, were baptized. God did an amazing miracle through that. That that word power would be translated in Greek to dunamis. And that's where we get the word dynamite. That there is explosive power when you preach the gospel, when you live the gospel. And in essence, what you're called to do is you're just called to unlock the cage and let the lion out. And let it do its work. And we see that this is what Jonah did. He wasn't creative. He didn't have a praise team. He didn't have screens behind him. He just said, 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the greatest revival we ever see literally touched down and changed lives. I've shared this before and you can go back to our series on unleashing the gospel is that revival is simply this. It's a return to obedience. Now, if you want to see revival in your marriage, in your family, in your sphere of influence, in your world, stay in that place of obedience and watch what God can begin to do in your life and through you. I want to leave you with this this morning as we talked about that Yes, we serve the God of second chances, but we have to take the chance and we have to make a choice. We have to choose to make a choice because he gives us the gift of free will. Jonah still could have said no, but I think through the traumatic experience he just went through is that God means business. And when he said, says, get up and go, I don't want to end up in another fish for another amount of time. So I'm going to trust God. God used the fish to, to provide for me. He did a work in me. And I'm going to continue on in the process. See, Jonah should encourage us too, is because God is not looking for perfect people. See, I think we discount ourselves saying, I've disqualified myself. 
But I'm here to tell you this morning is that God is saying there is a second chance for you. And if you will go to him in a spirit of repentance and make that choice, you will see everything begin to change in your life. That's how good of a God we serve. Can I get a witness on that this morning? That you serve a God of a second chance. You see, in this process of obedience, if you have an NIV Bible, you'll see the, the titles of really in 1, 2, 3, and 4 in Jonah. One would be this, is that Jonah flees. Number two is that God throws Jonah into the fish. So Jonah flees, God throws. Number three, we see Jonah prays in Jonah chapter two. And then four, we see Jonah goes. And as I was studying this and thinking through this, I began to think we get caught up in the first three. We flee, but then God rescues us. He throws us into that place to deliver us, to redeem us. And then we cry and we pray out to God. He changes our lives. But then if we never actually get up and go and put some obedience, take some steps in faith, then we never really see change. We just get caught up in the cycle where we pray, God rescues us, and then several weeks we're right back into the same place we were. I'm here to tell you, you have to begin to walk in faith. You have to begin after you pray and repent, you then have to go back and make some changes. You then have to go back and cut some people out of your life. You then have to go back and say, I'm putting that down. That's no longer who I am. God rescued me from that. I'm not going to flirt with that. I'm not going to allow its influence to be on my life. That there has to then be the action side of it. And that's where you begin to see that the cycle that wants to keep you addicted, bound, tormented, begins to be broken off of your life. Again, God gives us a chance. We have to make a choice. And when we make the choice, and see, we always make a choice. It's either we ignore or we rebel or we say, I surrender, God. Here I am. Show me now how I'm to walk. So either way, we make a choice. It just depends on what choice that we make. I want to leave you with this and I want to close. Is what I honestly believe and what's been on my heart is it's time to stop praying and it's time to start obeying. Yes, we pray, but it's easy just to pray all the time. I'm guilty of this. It's easy just to pray. But when the rubber hits the road and where we really see revival, where we really see change is when we obey God's word. Look at what A.W. Tozer has to say about this topic. And Seth, if you come, it's this, what he has to say about praying and obeying he says, prayer is never an acceptable substitute for obedience. The sovereign Lord accepts no offering from his creatures that is not accompanied by obedience. Hear this right here. To pray for revival while ignoring or actually flouting the plain precept laid down in the scriptures is to waste a lot of words and get nothing for our trouble. So it's saying you can pray all day, but until you actually start putting steps to what the word of God says, you're not gonna see change. You're not gonna see that revival take place in your walk with God or in the world around you. And so again, we see the key is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, but it wasn't until it said Jonah obeyed, then you begin to see the mission unfold in his life. And so this morning, know this, that the key is repentance and repentance is the renewal of life. If you need renewal in your life, repentance is always the key. And when we come to church, one of the main reasons we gather together is to celebrate, is to worship. 
But then it's also always to bring our repentance to say, I bow low. I know that God works in a spirit of brokenness. That if I don't allow myself to be broken before the Lord, then I'm simply full of myself. And I'm telling you, this life is about saying, more of him, less of me, as John the Baptist prayed. That we have to have that cry, that urgency to say, more of God in my life and less of me. I'm going to read through this quickly. And then I want to give us a chance just to go before the Lord in repentance. This is a great definition of what repentance is. It says, in the original Greek, metanoia is the term that is most commonly translated as repentance. The word literally means a change of mind and helps us understand what repentance really means. Fundamentally, repentance is a change of mind, a switch from an outlook that esteems sin, hear this, to one that considers it abhorrent. It is important that we remember, however, that Scripture understands a true change of mind is to be one that includes more than just a shifting of intellectual categories. To have a metanoia, repentance, is to have true repentance. It involves feelings of regret and remorse. Repentance means we are truly sorry for something we have done, not just its consequences. I think we get hung up there a lot. And that we want to change our behavior. A repentant life is a changed life. Not in that perfection is ever attained, but in that the fruit of repentance, a change in action and attitudes, becomes discernible in a person's character. And you can read where Jesus himself says that in Luke 3, 7 through 9. Scripture repeatedly calls the people of God to repent. And it also knows of outward actions that people display to show their repentance. We see an example of some of these things in today's passage and the actions of the Ninevites. Hearing that the Lord was going to judge Nineveh, the people asked him for forgiveness, showing their sorrow by wearing sackcloth and fasting. And at other points in the Old Testament, we see specific prayers that were offered for repentance. Example, Psalms 51, King David says in the use of ashes to portray grief. The Old Testament is clear that visible actions cannot replace the inward conviction that God's demands of his people. But when inner sorrow is present, outer deeds often display our true repentance. I'm telling you this morning, if you can always keep a heart open to say repentance is the renewal of life. When I fall, that's not my, that's not my destination. It might be my season, but when I come to the Lord in repentance, I can then rise in renewal. He's a God of a second chance. And what I want you to hear this morning and get in your spirit is the chance is always here. And as I was praying through this message, maybe you feel like Jonah or maybe you feel opposite of Jonah, that you're disqualified because of the past, because of even fear. Don't let fear keep you bound from getting up and taking that chance, turning it into a choice and seeing God put you back on mission. Maybe you feel you failed in your marriage. Maybe you feel you failed as a father, as a mother. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to use failure, pin it on God and say, he has no more chances for you. You're disqualified. But we see in the book of Jonah, we see that the word of the Lord came to him a second time. We see that God wants to do something first in us before he wants to do something through us. And if you can take the trial and learn from it and allow there to be pain or allow there to be purpose in your pain, 
you will see God's hand. As you make a choice to repent, you will then rise in renewal. You will come back stronger. You will come back more dependent on God. You will come back and say, I'm not going to allow the cycle to continue. I'm going to begin to obey. And the blessing's not in the knowing, it's in the doing. I'm telling you, this is the hope that we have and that God is a God of second chances. If you'd stand to your feet this morning, I want to pray for you. If you bow your head, let's just go before the Lord in a spirit of repentance. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what are areas in my life that I need to turn from? I need to have a change of thinking. I need to get God's heart in this area. God, we ask right now, your people who love you, who realize the grace that's been given to us, that we understand grace is not just a covering. It's not just, it's so much more than a covering, but it's empowerment. You cover us, but then you draw us in and then you empower us to say, go and sin no more. I have mission. I have purpose for your life. God, we understand that our humanity will fail. We understand that our flesh will fail. But we know that we may be weak, but it's your spirit that is strong within us. So we ask as we repent right now, we ask for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. God, just as Peter denied you three times, what did you do in his life? You then used him. You took what was no confidence, one for he thought he failed. But when he met the Holy Spirit, when he repented, confidence came, power came, and you used him. You put him on mission. We choose this morning not to be defined by our failures, but we thank you that the love of God is coming after us this morning. We receive the second chance of God. Just whisper to that to him this morning and say, I receive the second chance. Instill the grace in me that I need. I take the chance now. Say, I want to make a choice. I want to make a choice to follow you. I want to make a choice to not allow my past to define me, not allow fear to define me, not allow sin to define me. But I thank you that in Christ I am a saint, that I am called, that I am chosen, that I can love my family the way the word of God says I'm to love them. I can love my spouse. I can be the man of God. I can be the woman of God that you're wanting to form within me. God, we thank you that 2020 is a year of clarity. Just as you gave the message to Jonah, 40 days and it'll be overthrown. I pray that we be so in tune with you to hear the message so clearly, not run from it, but go and obey it. In the name of Jesus. I now want us to just take a moment. Seth's going to lead us in a song, and I just want to make it real between you and God. Where we love the song, Reckless Love, where it says, there's no shadow.